Hi everyone, it is another jam-packed week here at Missouri Farm Bureau. Uh, we've already fired off a letter to the Biden administration uh, weighing in and sharing Farm Bureau policy when it comes to death taxes and all things death taxes. Uh, but that's not going to be the focus of this specific virtual legislative briefing. I'm joined by our state lobbyist, B.J. Tanksley, to, to talk about all things state session. So to give us not only the wrap-up of what happened on the conclusion of last week, but also to walk us through the session, how our priorities fared, and how you as members uh, engaged throughout the process, which always makes a difference. So, BJ. Yes. You're smiling, which is a great way to start. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about, let's talk about how session ended. Let's start there. Uh, well, session was interesting. They always are. You know, every few years you have a very interesting end of the session. Um, this one was no different. And this year we saw some fireworks to end the session where even session was cut short by about four hours in the Missouri Senate. Um, but really session ended in the Senate Friday morning at around 3.30 when the Senate wasn't able to come to compromise on some Medicaid funding. FRA, it's complicated, but it's a tax that hospitals pay to uh, help fund uh, medical funding. And um, that pretty much ended session for all intents and purposes. So there was a lot of issues still hanging out there um, that in that final day of session weren't able to be discussed because ultimately the minority party went into a filibuster to end session, but that wasn't that was predictable given what, what, what had transpired. They, they thought they had a deal to allow this funding to move forward, and unfortunately that deal fell through um, and wasn't able to come together, and that pretty much ended session early. So it was an interesting end to what was a tough fought session, um, and unfortunately, uh, with the end of session, um, with the end of a number of our priorities. As we podcasted the, year, the week before, um, we were pretty optimistic that we were going to have opportunities on a number of the issues we were working on um, and unfortunately in those last few days they weren't able to come up so we were really let down by that and honestly as we look back at the session although there were a number of good things that did occur um, it was ultimately disappointing with the way things ended and some of those things we wished we would have had been able to address okay so let's talk about disappointments first and then we'll then we'll come yes. back to to the highlights yeah, and, and the wins that were not. So let's start with the number one disappointment, and that's in the domain reform. It we is. progressed further than we had in previous sessions, yet could not get uh, the time that we needed ultimately uh, in the Senate in the floor. So so yeah. walk us through that. Yeah, we had um, champions on this issue in both the House and the Senate. Um, Representative Hafner in the House got the bill through the House early in session and then moved it to the Senate where Senator Bean took up the took up the charge and really did a great job. Senator Bean worked with senators throughout the session and everyone knew he was working towards this being a priority issue for him as well. And it was pretty well clear that you know this was gonna be his number one priority. He worked with leadership and other members of the Senate to help them get their issues done. Um, and everybody kind of knew that was in the hope of getting an opportunity to address his issue. Late in session, the bill was on a, another bill um, and, and ready to come to the floor for floor debate. Um, and in the end, we didn't get that floor debate time. Unfortunately, as you know, we really appreciate our members came to the Capitol on multiple occasions. We had a rally in late April where we had over 200 uh, property rights advocates come to the Capitol where they heard from House and Senate leadership, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, uh, Secretary of State Ashcroft joined us, 
all rallying for property rights and this protection against a misuse of eminent domain. And then again, late in session, we appreciate those who answered the call again to make contact with their legislators, either through our voter voice action alerts or by coming to the Capitol again. We had a number, we had probably in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 people back in the Capitol Wednesday when we anticipated getting Senate floor time. Um, unfortunately, other issues came up. You know, there's always other things to be debated. But we were of the understanding that we were going to get that floor time, that floor debate. When we went to our members and said, make contacts, that's because we actually saw the chance coming. And unfortunately, that chance never never really did play out. Um, I know Senator Bean was extremely let down, as well as ourselves and the other property rights advocates were extremely let down with the way that transpired. Um, we will continue to fight and we'll look for every opportunity we have but when you don't get floor time, um, you don't have much of an opportunity. And that's the way it kind of played out as far as the eminent domain issue went. So the message continues to be no eminent domain for private gain, bottom line. So Farm Bureau will not waver from that. That's absolutely right. Uh, we will be engaged in discussions with Senator Bean, Representative Hafner, other leaders to figure out, and obviously uh, our allied organizations to chart the path forward. So let's also talk about there are a lot of things, all things agriculture, yeah. that were lumped into an omnibus bill. We had important measures for the Department of Agriculture, our State Department of Agriculture. So let's talk a little bit about those incentives, tax credits, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so we had priorities of the biodiesel uh, standard, which became a biodiesel incentive. I talked to people on the podcast about that as well as MASBITA tax credits. These are tax credits that the uh, Department of Agriculture uses to help advance agriculture and agribusinesses across the state. And we worked very diligently to get those passed. Again, the House passed those early in session, got them over to the Senate. That's not unusual for that posturing to happen, where they'll weigh issues one versus another. Um, and so those got through the House early got to the Senate and then ended up as an omnibus ag bill where we had private pesticide applicator training, MASBITA tax credits, uh, both ethanol and biodiesel incentive funds, and a, and a number of other things that were all kind of ag related, pushed as a package in a, in a Senate bill coming back from the House. At the same time, we had a House bill that had just the tax credit pieces of that. And ultimately, um, that issue came to a head about Tuesday or Wednesday of the last week of session, where we saw the actual ag interest leveraged for other outside interest. And I'll be honest with you, this was a, a not a brand new one for me, but to this level of intensity where it became clear that those ag interests were not going to be able to be allowed to pass by an, a couple of senators were posturing that they would filibuster the issue if it didn't have all of their other outside interest included um, versus what we saw as a, a good ag package which was basically all of the things that ag had asked for and so um, that's where we ended up. We ended up getting leverage for a number of days. They were working to find compromise that would have allowed the bill, the bigger package, to have passed. Unfortunately, I'll be honest with everybody, I went into the last day of session, I think I even told you on Friday morning, we'll probably find a way to find compromise on this on Friday to allow a bill to pass. That time and pressure would allow that to happen. Well, unfortunately, with the early uh, ending of actual floor debate and activity, that wasn't able to come to be. I think there's a lot of people who are looking back with regret that they weren't able to come to that. I'll be honest on this issue, I don't have a lot of regrets because we were pushing hard for all of those ag interests and trying to overcome the other side. I regret that we weren't able to be successful in that. 
but we were fighting hard to say, hey, we've got to do the ag part of this and asking folks not to leverage us for their outside interests. Unfortunately, we didn't have the chance to get that done. Um, and we will look to address that. There's been conversation about how dire some of those issues may be, especially for the tax credit programs for the Department of Agriculture. There are always are chances um, to come back and address this. I've, I've heard talk of leadership in both House and Senate looking at trying to get this done early next year so you don't see much of a gap. This is actually like a December <laughs> rollover. So that you don't see much of a gap. One way or another, these need to be addressed, especially the Masvidal tax credits and some of those things that are very proactive. There, there's things we have to do and things we want to do. We were very supportive of the ethanol and the biodiesel things. Those are what I call the want-tos. Those were going to be good if we could have gotten them done, but it's a real real shame that we weren't able to get the Masvidal tax credits and the other issues there addressed um, as we needed to get done. It was an unfortunate situation. I think with more time, cooler heads would have prevailed, um, but the uh, reality of the end of session is what caught us there. All right. I want to pivot now bj to i'll put the umbrella of of conservation okay yeah, uh, absolutely there were a lot of um conservation issues i'd say that didn't get a lot of attention but the one that we were really engaged in affects a lot of our members particularly in the southern half of the state yeah feral hog eradication Yes. Walk me through what happened. We were able to come to compromise on an, kind of an omnibus, kind of a mini omnibus MDC or conservation related issues bills. And so that went in House Bill 369 that included provisions related to feral hogs. Uh, before we jump into that, I would also include that it added uh, added a compromise related to um, surveillance by MDC agents. That's something our members became interested in last uh, summer when we saw some reports from other states. Now this language doesn't go as far as maybe Farm Bureau would have hoped it would and we will continue to look into that. But it does say that the conservation or other agencies can't place cameras on your property um, without having their highest oversight. They have to go to their highest oversight to get permission to do so. And even in those cases, those cameras have to face public property. So rather than being able to look into your property, they could look out. So if they were monitoring the street for movement or, or a public property adjacent to yours, um, that does allow some of that, but it is some reasonable re restrictions on that that I think our members should be happy to see. It's an added level, although we probably would have gone further if we got to write it, but that's why the legislative body gets to help find those compromises. The bigger piece of this is something we've been talking about for years. You're all too familiar, and so am I, of the issue of feral hogs. Um, a couple years ago, Missouri Farm Bureau formed a working group uh, related to feral hogs, and coming out of that, two of the main things we found we needed to do was update the state's definition of feral hog and then um, increase the penalty for releasing or holding feral hogs. You know, there's a lot of eradication efforts happening out there, whether that's people controlling them on their own property or the state or federal spending a lot of money on this, but we need to make sure that no one's going behind them and reintroducing feral hogs to other areas where a lot's being spent and a lot of effort to get rid of them. This bill updated the definition of feral hog. Now, this is going to be kind of overly simplistic, but right now, the definition of feral hog is based on whether or not it's captive. So the minute you put a hog in the back of a truck, it's no longer a feral hog. So that makes it almost impossible for any sort of enforcement. Now this bill, the change that we've agreed to, would say if it was born or had ever lived in the wild. Now that doesn't say um, accidental release and other things, but that if this hog's lived in the wild, that's a feral hog and you shouldn't be then holding it. We put in and worked with to find a lot of um, compromises there that protects for agriculture. You know, in that area, there's a lot of concerns of <coughs> 
over-regulation of agriculture, and that was not our intention. And I think there's some reasonable language in there to add uh, protections for that. And then we increased the penalty for knowingly holding or releasing feral hogs. And, and we said first offense would be the highest level misdemeanor, and then that any second offense would be a felony for doing so. Now, we don't want you know to be capturing people or getting people in too much trouble, but at the same time, this is a measure that says this is a serious issue. That feral hogs do hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of damage on properties, whether they are recreational or agricultural, across that entire region. And we need to make sure that people see that this is serious. Now, there's always going to be prosecutorial discretion that says that they can choose to plead it down or use it for a different case. It doesn't mean that every case would always be a felony, but it does raise to that level should there be a repeat offender who obviously doesn't care about the damage that these hogs could be doing on private or public property. So I think it really was a win. It's something hopefully we can stop talking about for a while. Hopefully we can work on feral hog issues. But on this specific aspect of it, that, hey, guys, everyone agrees, whether you are a hog hunter or a agriculturalist that's been working or frustrated with them for years, uh, nobody thinks we should be re-releasing feral hogs. Everybody agrees to that, and hopefully this is a step towards ensuring that isn't happening out there. So we're happy about where that got us. Um, it was a long-fought uh, deal, but we worked together with a lot of interested parties, including representatives and senators from across the hog-impacted areas, and they all said, yeah, I think this is language that will help move us forward. So excited about where that got us. Good, good. So let's, let's talk a little bit about infrastructure. Yep. So we can talk broadband, but more importantly, we can talk about the issue that really gained a lot of attention in the last few days, and that's transportation funding, an issue that is nothing new to Farm Bureau. So it's been a long time coming to actually reach an agreement on funding. Yes. And even at a modest level. So. Yes, uh, the Senate was able to pass uh, Senate Bill 262 um, early in session, right before spring breaks actually when that happened, and then the House agreed to it on Tuesday evening, in the late evening I believe it was. They agreed and passed it by an overwhelming vote, I think it was 90 to 91, oh, I'm looking at the wrong number there. Transportation passed 104 to 52. That's a big number in the House, especially considering such a large issue. Um, 104 votes is a lot for any bill to get, um, and we're excited about that. That's something Missouri Farm Bureau worked with the other supporters. Uh, Senate Bill 262 would, um, over five years, increase the fuel tax by two and a half cents per year for a total of a 12 cent increase. But the, the, the caveat to that is, is it's a refundable fuel tax increase. So if you feel like you don't want to pay any more taxes, then you can ask for a refund on this. You simply fill out a form. You are supposed to keep your receipts in case you were to be audited to be able to ensure that you're not claiming too much. Uh, but you can ask for a refund on that. So I think a lot of people probably will take advantage of the refund. But that modest continual increase is something that keeps it from having to go to a vote of the people constitutionally um, because it's not above any of the constitutionally set thresholds. Um, and the refundability says if you don't want to pay, if you're one of those that say no new taxes, you can ask for a refund on that and, and get your money back. Hopefully, what people see is with increased funding, they see better roads, they see safer bridges, and they're actually be able to be enthusiastic about the fact that our roads and bridges are getting better. The truth is we haven't had an increase in over 25 years, and our purchasing power has been greatly diminished at this point. You know, a lot of people say MoDOT has plenty of funds. Well, they do have a large number that, you know, when you look at their budget, it is a big number. 
but that doesn't purchase the same amount of concrete and steel or any other construction materials that it did 25 years ago. Um, if you're looking at any construction cost at this point, they're, they're through the roof and that's not something that's going to come back down. And, and that's a world that they're having to live in. That's the reality of the situation we have. And we're excited about the fact that Senate Bill 262 finally can talk about this conversation and hopefully can add what we've always advocated for, which is consistent, predictable funding for MoDOT for years to come. We've, we've, we've supported the one-time shot in the arms that have happened through House and Senate um, the last couple of years, but this consistent long-term funding um, is a step in the right direction um, and going to protect them for some time to come. Now, let's be honest, it's not an increase like MoDOT would have wished for. You know, if you're trying to get to the purchasing power of 17 cents and 96, it's a lot further back from that, but it's going to get us to a place where we're at least able to uh, do the things that need to be done. So I think it's important to keep in mind, I've been asked a lot of times about the interplay or intersection of what may happen in D.C. with what happened here in Jefferson City. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, what we have said all along, it's best if we control our own destiny, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, we had the chance, the legislature had the chance to, to at least take a yeah. modest step yeah. forward. And then again, we'll be engaged in the discussions at the federal level. Yeah. And as you know, a lot of times federal funding comes with an ask for a state match. And a lot of times we weren't going to be able to to meet those match requests at this point. So hopefully this allows us to be at a level where we're pitching in as a state and able to meet our needs in the long term. So yeah, um, hopefully they play together towards long-term stability of our transportation system. There's a lot of needs out there when you look at transportation. Everybody thinks of the one road they drive a lot that needs to be changed. You know, something that needs to be two lane instead of, or, or four lane instead of two, or, or straightened out roads. Or when I worked in Southeast Missouri, there was a lot of um, just rumble strips on the edges that were protecting and straightening out dangerous curves. And all of those things come at a cost. And so hopefully with this, we'll be able to do more of that. Okay. So you mentioned the word need and <laughs> that makes my mind think about an issue that didn't get a lot of attention this session, but it's been one that we've been engaged from a broader sense of what I would put in a bucket of issues that connect our farm and ranch families to the communities in which they live and serve. And that's the opioid crisis and getting back to prescription drug monitoring programs. So again, that's been something that we've engaged in conversations for some time. Yeah, multiple years actually did make it across the finish line this time yeah it was uh it was different you know the last few years we've seen this named as a priority it's been a long list of things that people were working for this year it was kind of quiet on the pdmp front which was to establish a statewide prescription drug monitoring program um, and this year stayed kind of quiet worked its way through the senate and then actually ended up passing uh, with not nearly as much fanfare as it would have a couple years ago when we first jumped into this conversation uh, but it's still excited to see that get done you know there's been um, some local PDMPs that have spread across the state which now cover somewhat of 70% of the population of the state but we know as advocating for rural Missouri that 70% of the population means not much of rural Missouri was included in that because you're talking about the big cities and the urban areas this would take in the whole state and it's a consistent program that will also allow um, you know, people from different areas of the state to be able to communicate and make sure we're not seeing that. I was asked multiple times and have been since we jumped into the PDMP conversation of why does Missouri Farm Bureau care about this? And I said it's interesting because when we talk to our members about it, 
they were pretty overwhelmingly in support of it. And on more than one occasion, you'll hear a personal story of why this issue was important to, to them. We all know the opioid crisis is nationwide, but it hits rural, count, rural communities really deeply. Um, and we have lots of members who felt deeply about this as a step to protect against that uh, moving forward. And so we're excited to see that get done. Really want to applaud Senator Rader. She has been a uh, never-ending advocate for this issue. Um, and it was interesting to see her become a senator and the next year get to see it pass through both, both bodies. And I'm um, excited about that. And excited for her. That was a, a personal triumph for her, and she had worked hard for that. Uh, so excited to see that get done. Absolutely. BJ, what have we missed? What are uh, the things that... Yeah, a couple things. Um, one of the things we talked a lot about was um, private, pe private pesticide applicator training. This is something Farm Bureau has talked about for a couple of years now. Uh, we've worked together with the Department of Agriculture and the other ag groups um, to be able to move the state's program forward, make sure that we're in line with EPA standards, while at the same time providing for adequate training for our farmers and ranchers. And so we're excited that this year we were able to see that passed. On, um, on a couple of different omnibus bills. They're headed to the governor's desk. We're excited to see that get done, able to get that program updated and move us into the future and provide for, for good training for our farmers and ranchers and security for the entire state. We wanna make sure that, that, that those, those, those products are being used safely and correctly. So we're excited to see that get done. Um, another bill was House Bill 574 relating to agricultural inspections. We're excited to see that bill passed. It was a step in the right direction of making sure that if you have an ag operation, you don't have to allow just any outside entity. If you haven't invited them or they don't have proper legal authority, they don't have the right to come onto your property and inspect your ag operation. So we, we, we appreciate that bill and excited about seeing that get done. Uh, looking through the list there, so that was some big things and, and excited for that. Um, so there was a few wins. We were able to put some long-term issues behind us. You know, we've been talking about PDMP, transportation, uh, private pesticide applicator training, and feral hogs. Those are issues we've been talking about for a number of years. We weren't, we were still frustrated at some of the big things that didn't get done, but glad to see some of those other things that have been kind of building in a backlog um, get, get put behind us and, and see the legislature finally address them. So excited for those. Although when you look back, we told everyone well, going into session, our number one issue was addressing eminent domain and we weren't able to see that get done. We really thought up until the end we were going to have an opportunity. That opportunity didn't play out. Um, but, but unfortunately, um, we, we, were, we do feel, we're, we are sorry that that's the way it turned out, but we were able to see a number of things we did work for do get done. Yes, we had our victories. I mean, there isn't, there isn't a such thing as a perfect state legislative session. But I don't know, a couple of years ago I had a really good one. I came home and told everybody we got it all. All right, well, okay. Uh, but I would say yes. it, it was it was pretty darn good as it was. And, and when we think about eminent domain, again, the issue isn't going away. No. The conversations in Washington, D.C. only make it even more imperative. You know, the, the mantra our position is going to be Missouri isn't going to be the transmission superhighway for the Green New Deal. I mean, that's, that's exactly that's right. And no, whether, no matter where, I think you're exactly right, no matter where you stand on it, we can all agree to that. And this isn't going to be the only project that comes through. Even those supporting this project said, oh, this is precedent setting. We're going to have a number of these lines go through. And so for anybody not impacted by this line, just know it could happen anywhere across the state as we look to connect 
wind-rich states, Kansas and the West, with uh, energy-hungry states of the East. So you're absolutely right. It's precedent-setting, and that, from that point of view, this issue is not going away. Well, we don't throw the towel in on any issues. You know, as we wrap up, I think it's important to, to reiterate to, to our members that we do what we do because of you. We don't have the policy positions in place if you don't participate in the grassroots policy development process to let us know what you think, how you feel, and ultimately participate to get those policies in the book. And obviously when we sit down and wade through and figure out the priorities, we obviously think about the priorities at the farm gate all the way to the communities in which we live and serve. And so that's what's important. That's what separates us. When BJ hits the Capitol uh, to represent you and all of us, those are the issues that's what's going into his mind and I'll say he can't do what he does that we can't do what we do without you taking time to call your legislators email your legislators and come to the Capitol as we've been on the path to normalcy uh, the last few months coming back from spring break and seeing members from different regions of the state coming to the Capitol willing to raise their hand and say I want to come to Jefferson City to meet with our legislators it truly makes a difference absolutely um, I it would be remiss not to say the same thing we really appreciate those of y'all who joined us in this effort what we do in the Capitol wouldn't be possible without those of you taking an active role in what we do the process definitely plays out but we appreciate everyone who took time out of their time to join us for a Capitol connection or for one of our rallies in the Capitol I can tell them all I want that you know Farm Bureau cares about this but when they see actual boots on the ground Farm Bureau members coming and saying we care about transportation we care about property rights we, we care about these agricultural issues that's when it really hits home to legislators and that's why we were able to have the successes we were and will continue to be successful in the Capitol absolutely so as we wrap up let's savor the wins we know we've got more work ahead but that's why we do what we do and can't thank you enough for being a member of this great organization